that's terrible. <laughs> Good morning. That's a little better, a little sing-songy. Um, do you ever, let's see, how am I phrase this? In your life, have you ever just felt run down? Okay, amen, right? I got hands in the back. Um, no, just just run down. Like, you don't know what's next. You just, what else can happen? What's going on? And, and you could put any scenario, situation. For me, it has been my nose. Can you hear it? Yeah, it's fun this morning. So my nose, I mean, for 12 days now, it's just been this bucket of grossness. And I'm like, what next? What next? I'm on all these medicines. In fact, nighttime is what I call fun time because it gets to pick out which pill I'm actually taking because there's like nine right now. But I feel just run down. And it's not just my physical life. Your physical body can feel that way. What about your spiritual life, your walk with God? Do you ever just feel like it's sick? It needs this, this shot, this steroid, this something to boost so you can feel better. You get that rejuvenation, that, that energy, something to make this right. You ever felt that way? Well, today we're going to look at several passages of Scripture. And the first one is actually not in your bulletin. I'm switching it up and it's not on the screen. So if you have your Bibles and your phone and it's got the app on it, you are better than most. Otherwise, you can just sit and listen. I'm going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. I want to read that again. It's just two verses, okay? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. This is God's word for us today, and we're going to get to the, the one verse that's in the, the bulletin in a, in a moment. But when we think about this, the, the source of this, when we talk about John Wesley and his life, he used that passage for over 40 of his sermons. Yeah, John, we have a book about that thick of John Wesley's sermons. It's now online, so you can go search. But it was important to him. It was important, and it's important to the message, I think, that we're going to bring today. It's about salvation not being earned. It's not about your spiritual life and what you can do to give it a good kick in the rear to get going again. It's not that kind of understanding. But it is this idea that grace is a gift from God. Not by our own doing. Not the result so that anyone can boast. This is very text I believe that we should memorize. So on that blank page in your bulletin, right, there's a whole blank page. Not that one. Ha ha. This one, I go to two services. So this one, go ahead and write Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. You can stick it in your Bible. You can write it down. I believe this is something that we should take to heart, to memorize, to, to let it be a focus of, of who we are and, and what we're doing. That no one should boast. It is the reminder of the central of the gospel truth. God is a God of grace. God is offering salvation as a result of this grace. 
There are several senses in the idea of the word grace, the ways that we can take and interpret. Paul uses the term kind of important to, to mean that the quality of God's character, the grace is the quality of God's character whereby God loves, blesses, and is willing to forgive us despite our sin. So that's one sense of grace. It is the quality of God's character. It's what we hear in Scripture all the time. It's maybe what we can experience in our life, in our ups and downs. It's this, this attribute of God's character that leads God to take the initiative to send Jesus into the world who knows he will die in order to redeem and to save the human race. That's a gift that God has given to us. That's the grace that God is giving. It's really important for us to realize this and, and see the picture not of God as this angry judge. You see, I think a lot of times when I feel beat up or run down in my spiritual life is because I feel like that's a God I serve, that God's just kind of, holding me down and under the water and, and not being able to take a breath. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever have a brother? I had a brother like this, okay? He was younger than me, but he would take me, and, and when we were playing, I called it, you know, one step away from drowning your, your older sister, but he would, like, hold me under the water, and I'm, like, flailing around, and, and eventually when I was, like, limp or when I would stop, he'd let go, and I'd come back and get out and go tell Dad. Dad would beat him. You know, it was good stuff. But we sometimes see God this way, as an angry judge or a judgmental father, someone we can never please no matter how hard we try. And unfortunately, that picture can be found in parts of the Bible, in the Old Testament. But we get the idea of Jesus, we get the picture of Jesus, and it paints a very different picture of God. We see God as a shepherd who goes and searches for the one lost sheep. We see a father who runs to meet his prodigal son when he was a long way off. We see God as a savior who is a friend to the drunkards, the prostitutes, and every kind of sinner. We see a God that is opening the doors of grace for all to experience him. So that's one character, that's one sense. The second sense in which this word grace is, is often used, particularly in Paul's letters in the New Testament, is that it, grace is an active influence of God in our lives. A force working on us to draw us to God, to put us right, and to restore us in what, he was made, what we were made to be. This is the agent of grace by the Holy Spirit. It's God working in our lives. In the Methodist Church, we, we take grace and, and we kind of put some other words with it. One of the words is provenient grace. And this provenient grace is the grace that was before us ever coming to understand God. A lot of provenient grace in my life has been Sunday school teachers, my parents. It's been friends getting me to go to, to youth group or, or getting me to go to these events where God was, was proclaimed. 
And it's God wooing me. God drawing me in. God seeking after me before I'm even aware of who God is. Think about in your life all the situations that lined up to bring you to that moment where you said yes to God. All those times where God was speaking through people, through situations, in ups and downs. Unfortunately for Jonathan, an act of provenient grace in his life was one of his friends dying in a car accident. But it was that moment of God drawing in Jonathan's heart to fall on his knees and come to a saving grace of Jesus Christ. See, grace is God working in us, pursuing us. So that's provenient grace. We kind of all have this understanding, we may not know it by this term of justifying grace. It is a powerful moment in the life of anyone. When you open up your heart and you allow God to be the Lord of all. When you seek that forgiveness from the depths of your soul. God, I have fallen short. I have messed up royally. I can't do this anymore. I need you. God, I need you to show me the way. God, I need you to open my heart and my life that I can hear from you. God, forgive me. Do you remember saying those words or something like it? If you haven't, I invite you to open your heart to God. To what God can speak in and through you. How God is desiring in this moment for you to take that step of faith and say, God, show me, lead me. The important part with justifying grace is when we come to God and we truly repent. Repent's when we're walking this way, deep in the dark of sin. And we realize that this is going nowhere, even though it's actually going up Chandler and to Georgia Southern, and that's a good place. But we're walking this way, and God gets a hold of our hearts, and we realize this has all got to go away. We take that step and turn completely from where we were going into the direction of where God is leading. We seek the forgiveness of everything that we've done wrong, and we seek daily to be forgiven by him. So if that's where you are, I invite you to seek after God and to tell someone. Shout it from the rooftops. Let people know that you've accepted Christ. Because some of us, we find ourselves having done that. Having said yes to God, but then we still feel as though we're in this stagnant pond, not going anywhere. At times we can feel beat up, but God is still pursuing us in this moment. God is still trying to reach out and perfect us. And it's in this grace, we call it sanctifying 
where each day after saying yes to God, we listen for the Spirit's calling. We listen for the direction from the Word of God, from those that, we hold, that help hold us accountable. And we live the life that God has called us to. So now the hard question is, are you doing that? Are you living the life that God has called you to? Are you living in his grace? Are you staying right there at that moment where you said yes to God and it just stays right there? Each day you wake up should be one more step toward moving toward perfection in Jesus Christ. I am not claiming to be perfect. There is probably nothing in my life that could be called perfect. But I know that each day I seek to live my life worthy of the calling that Jesus Christ has placed upon me. Now you may say, well, that's you. You're a preacher. You're supposed to be doing that. We are all called to minister. Every person in this room. I knew I had come to a faith when I was young. I accepted Christ. I remember in confirmation in fourth grade. Yeah, we upped the game a little bit. Now it's older. I remember youth in sixth and seventh grade where Christ became so real to me. I remember feeling the call to ministry in 10th grade. Students, this is for you too. God is calling each of you, every one of us in this place, to open our hearts to one, accept his calling, the grace that he's given to us, to accept him as Lord of all, and then to wake up, to arise in his faith, and to realize that whatever is behind us is gone, and we look towards what is ahead, and we step fully in that faith of Jesus Christ, that he would guide us, direct us, and the Spirit would speak each day. This is about revival in your life of what God is speaking to you. How God is challenging us to, to pray every day. Breath prayers, pray the scripture, pray what comes to mind. To focus in his word and dwell in what God is speaking. You may say, I don't understand what the Bible says. Find a version that you do. There are translations, there are paraphrases, there are study Bibles. Find something that you can seek and understand the word of God. And then one other thing. We can't do this alone. You cannot live your life in isolation. One, you're here in corporate worship, right? We're here together. But don't let this be it. Find a group. Find two or three people. Find more that you can pour into their life and they can pour into yours. And together, y'all can walk this life of what God is speaking to you. At Pittman Park, we call them life groups. We can call them Sunday school classes. We can call them small groups. Accountability groups. Whatever it may be. Listen to God calling. Accept him and the forgiveness he's offering.
and take that step to daily live for him. John Wesley loved Holy Communion. In fact, he called it a time of of salvation in and of itself. For what takes place here at the table, we could never describe. We could never focus in on. But we know that these acts that we remember are what bring us to that new creation in Christ. These acts of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and the body and blood poured out for us are what allow us to remember our verse for today. That verse from, comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, there's a new creation. The old has passed away. And see, everything has become new. Do you hear this? If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Everything old, everything of sin, everything of the past is gone away. And we are a new creation in Christ. And it's that which we celebrate in a time of holy communion. It's that which we come and we see these, this, this bread and this juice. And it's us to remember God and the words that God speaks to us. The liturgy is going to be up on the screen. I ask that you follow along with the, the yellow print as we come together in Holy Communion. Christ our Lord invites to this table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. We come as a broken people. We're aware of our sinfulness and the fact that we have a broken relationship with God and with those around us. But we come to receive forgiveness and to be restored. Almighty God, forgive us for what we have done. Give grace that we might live in you. Amen. On the night in which Christ gave himself up for us, he took bread. He gave thanks to you. He broke the bread, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now with the confidence of the children of God, would you join hands with someone near to you as we pray the prayer that Christ taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I'll invite those who are coming to join, to assist me this morning to come. This table is open for all to come and experience what God is teaching you and how his grace is being poured out on you.
you believe it? What Christ has done is completely done. The freedom from sins, the freedom of everything that we've done in our past is complete in him and his journey to the cross. Remember that. Experience that. That you're free in him and you can be completely done as each day you pursue after God. Go in his grace and peace and love. Amen.